Well, hello, and welcome back to Noah's Window. We're going to wrap up this Friday with a week of reflections on our devotional readings in the morning, and and, uh, probably we'll continue that again next week. So I hope this is a blessing to you. And by the way, many, many thanks to those of you who have reached out just to let us know that Noah's Window is making a difference for you because it does mean the world. It's hard to believe we're coming up on almost a year now of Noah's Window episodes. Can that be possible? Um, but Lord willing, we're going to try to continue to go as long as the Lord makes it possible. We're going to keep try, uh, it's our, our intention to keep going. So today, uh, yesterday we're talking about the book of Psalms. And today I want to jump to the New Testament, to the book of Mark. And this is one of the gospel accounts, most probably the gospel account from uh, Peter, the apostle, but recorded by John Mark, thus the name Mark. And so we're going to jump in in uh, chapter 4. And this is during Jesus' ministry, and he has been teaching um, up in the Galilee when we went to Israel. Those of you who've been to Israel, um, you probably experienced this too, but uh, they refer to it as the Galilee, that area up in the Galilee. And if you've visited the uh, Holy Land, if you've been to Capernaum, uh, Capernaum is just a small little space there, and you can just walk over to the Sea of Galilee. It's right there in that little village, so it's all together. Um one just reflection, and I wish I could. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to work on some uh, different things we can do with Noah's window because I would love to just throw up a picture or two for you, maybe a little video. But when we were over there in Israel and we were visiting the Galilee, we were being led by a tour guide who was born there. In fact, when we drove by the little hospital, he said that's where I was born. His name was Henry, and uh, Henry was telling us about that area. And uh, when so when we were in the the Galilee. Um, there at the Sea of Galilee, he um, was telling us about uh, just the conditions there. Because when we were sitting there, it was so calm and beautiful. There just wasn't hardly a ripple in the water. But he said almost every day, and of course we were there in the summer, he said almost every day the conditions from the hills and the heat of the day will develop so that there will be really choppy waves. Um, and he said, that's when you'll see a lot of people come out. And that particular day, we were there at um, Capernaum in the morning, went up further north, and then came back around in the afternoon. So I wanted to see what he's talking about. So as we were on our way home from the far, far northern edge that afternoon, back down towards where we were staying in, in Tel Aviv that night. But as we were driving by the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and it was getting late afternoon, I looked out, and sure enough, I saw what Henry had told us about. There were windsurfers out there because there were whitecaps on the Sea of Galilee. So I wanted you to just file that away as we're reading this story because we're going to read about an episode with the disciples and um, when they got caught in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. But I want you to keep in mind that this was not uncommon at all to be in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. So just file that away as we're reading this passage. So I want to read to you, first I want to read to you from the actual, my uh, hard copy of the one-year Bible, and this one is NLT. You can get it in any version, really, but this is the one that we read most often is NLT. So we're going to jump in, in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, and it says, As evening came, and this is after Jesus has been teaching, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. 
Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Now, I want to read you part of that passage in the Amplified because it does um, expand the understanding and the meaning. And and just see if you pick up on, on some of the things that I'm seeing when I go through the Amplified. So on that same day, verse 35, when evening had come, he said to them, to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in, just as he was in the boat. And he was in the boat as he was teaching. That way the crowds couldn't get on top of him. So he was teaching from the boat. If you go back and read earlier in their chapter, you'll see that. Um, just as he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm began to blow, and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep with his head on the sailor's leather cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? And he got up, and I love the the description here. He got up and sternly rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And in parentheses and Amplified, it says muzzled. Hush, be still or muzzled. And the wind died down as if it had grown weary. I can just almost hear that dying down. And there was at once a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Now, in the NLT, it says, do you, do you still not have faith? But in the Amplified, it, it, it uh, expands on that. He said, do you still have no faith and confidence in me? You know, I think very often we talk about faith as though it's an entity within itself. And we've talked about this before, but faith is only powerful, as powerful as the object of that faith. And so Jesus says, do you still have no faith and confidence in me? Do you really think I'm going to let you die? When, first of all, I gave you the instruction for us to go to the other side. Now I'm adding to what he said, but I'm just saying, logically, I would be thinking that. So, um going on to finishing up in verse 41, they, the disciples, were filled with great fear and said to each other, who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Now, just a couple of thoughts, and and we'll leave this for today, but a couple of thoughts that just really stand out to me. First of all, the disciples were fearful and and supposedly thought they were going to die from the storm. But it says when Jesus stood up and calmed the sea, that they were terrified at the Lord. They were terrified at his power and asked each other. You know, they didn't ask Jesus. Now seeing that you did this miracle, tell us again, who are you? But they talked to each other. How many times are we sorting through things that we're trying to understand by talking to each other instead of talking to the Lord, the one who really has answers? Okay, so that's just one of my observations. They were talking to each other. But it, it um, a couple of things come to my mind. One is, if you'll go back and read early in the chapter, I think there's a good possibility that among these disciples was still Judas Iscariot. <clears throat> I try to think what that must have been like for him. He saw Jesus do every miracle that all the other disciples saw Jesus do. I just That just sinks in to me, and I think, how? How could he observe that up close and personal? How could he have been spared in this storm by Jesus and yet turn around and betray him? 
it's it's hard to think about. You know, we're coming into the Easter season now, so I, I keep kind of going to this place of thinking about what it was like for the disciples in those final days before the Lord was crucified. So anyway, just a thought. I wonder what that was like for Judas as he observed that. I wonder why they were so terrified and with their um, um, fear, trying to figure out who Jesus is, that he could actually calm the wind and the sea that they discussed with one another. If, in fact, if you'll go to read, read through the Gospels, you'll find so many times they would have been better off if they hadn't been chatting among themselves. They got themselves in a lot of trouble. Why I chuckle because it's so us, isn't it? We get ourselves in trouble because we chat among ourselves. If we if we would go to the right sources to get answers, sometimes we would do ourselves a big favor. But the disciples, and, and it, it gives me some comfort to know the disciples that were with Jesus make some of the very same mistakes I make. And not that they're not not that it gives me a pass, but there is a comfort to know that um, those those issues are universal and were even a problem for the disciples. So um, that so <clears throat> a couple of things. One is, isn't it marvelous that our God has power over the storm, and that when we're in the middle of it, we are still to have confidence in Him and faith in Him. And I don't know what your storm might be today. Maybe it's a health crisis or a financial crisis. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just dealing with the the complexities of the world we're living in right now. But whatever the storm is that you're in right now, I want to just encourage you to uh, go to the one who has the power to still that storm to make the storm calm down into perfect peacefulness. Now, maybe it's not going to happen instantly, but he's promised that he will put all of the storms into peace uh, in his time. You know, Mark has always encouraged me with so many things, but one of the phrases that I think about very often is the the scriptures uh, have commandments in them, even in the New Testament. We're not talking about like the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, but admonitions. Uh, uh, things that we should do. They're not suggestions, things that we should do. And one of those things is to pray about everything. And Mark would always tell me, you know, we're commanded to pray about everything. So we're commanded to take all of our what's. What do we need? We're, take, we're commanded to take all of our what's to the Lord. But the when and the how, we have to just trust him with. That The answering of it is up to him, and that's where trust comes in. So, we if we are stumbling along, we should find some comfort to know that the disciples did as well. And uh, as we look back at these stories, maybe we will be encouraged, uh, first of all, to know who our God is. He's such a powerful God, and His love for us is so tremendous that He is disappointed then when we don't trust Him in the middle of that storm. So that's, that's our, our challenge today, to trust Him. And to know he's powerful enough to overcome any storm that's going on in our life. So I hope that encourages you today. And once again, I do love hearing from you. So um, please continue to write in. It's it's such a uh, an encouragement to keep us going. Uh, we appreciate your prayers and your uh, just your feedback so much. And for those of you who are going through struggles, if you want to reach out to us, we would love to pray for you or talk with you, if you would just text talk to us to 97,000, we have people on the other end of that that will get your message, and we will be glad to 
be part of your faith journey and and uh, pray with you and and offer whatever assistance we can in in uh, whatever you're dealing with right now. So we would love to hear from you. And before we go today, I would love to uh, have a word of prayer with you. Oh, Father, there are so many storms going on around us, and they are very frightening. But we are confident, Father, that you are more powerful than any storm that we're facing. And we want to look to you, not to each other, but we want to look to you for the answers that we need. We want to ask you, Father, to deal with these storms, but also we want to ask you to give us the patience and the faith that we need to wait for your answers and your timing. And we're going to trust you for that, Lord. We want to grow in our understanding of who you are and our confidence in you as you challenge the disciples, Father. We we want to continue to be confident in you and in your unfailing love like we talked about yesterday. Thank you, Father, so much for your love for us that we know we don't deserve and you offer it so freely. Thank you for that, Father. And we just pray for each and every person watching or listening today that you would wrap your arms of love around them, draw them close to you, help them to feel your love, Father. Please um, make yourself known in their situation, even if it's a not a, uh, an answer today that will bring complete peace to the storm. I pray that you would intervene in such a way that each and every person will know that you're there and that you're working. We need your reassurance, Father, uh, in these uncertain days, and we're going to trust you for that because we know you love us and that you will um, answer us when we call out. And I just pray that you would help us to remember uh, all these things as we face the, the days ahead. And we're going to thank you for all the many things that you have done, that you are doing, and that you're going to do that we haven't even seen yet. We're going to give you all the glory and the honor. And we thank you once again, Father, and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll look forward to talking to you once again on Monday on Noah's Window. God bless.